Welcome back to Round 12, the podcast that will always be dedicated to growth, development, and motivational mastery. I am your host, Sensei Roger B. Hamilton. Thank you for joining us again today for another episode of the Round 12 podcast series. Let's go get it. The man and woman in the mirror. Make a change for once in my life. It's gonna feel real good. Gonna make a difference. Gonna make it right. As I turn up the collarbone, my favorite winter coat. This wind is blowing my mind. I see the kids in the street. Not enough to eat Who am I to be blind Pretending not to see them need A sauna's disregard A broken bottle top And a one-man soul They follow each other on the wind you know Cause they got nowhere to go That's why no one yet to know
halfway through a new year, a new time for both gazing into the future and reflecting on the past. As you look back on the last year, how do you feel about the way it went? Do you have a sinking feeling that you're in the same space mentally, professionally, romantically, spiritually that you were 12 months ago? That the only thing that's changed is the date on the calendar? Well, we all know that's not true. We know that the year 2020 has been filled with challenge and circumstance and powerful change. There are currently a lot of tips given out right now about how to make the best of quarantine and use of time and attitude and how to take a stand on what you believe in and just change in general. But how do we make change last and for the better? Take it or leave it, deny it or believe it, I have only one secret to impart, and that's discipline. It is the key to unlocking your potential and finally moving forward with your life in the direction you want. The reason you still haven't finished that book you started last year, but have spent several hours surfing the internet every day. A lack of discipline. The reason you want to propose to your girlfriend or boyfriend, or have kids but keep holding back, maybe, just it might be a lack of discipline. The reason you're still just as out of shape as you were last time you thought about it is definitely lack of discipline. The reason you haven't made any progress on starting that side business and your home improvement project has never gotten off the ground and you feel like your life is slipping away. No discipline. You'll forgive me for having learned this stuff in passing and no offense if you are not motivated to stay with me to the end here. But if you are, let's break this down. Discipline is especially and essentially the ability to put off what we want in the moment for what we want in the long run. It's not much more complicated than that. The proverbial delayed gratification. By now, Almost everyone is familiar with the famous marshmallow experiment run by Dr. Walter Michel, where four-year-old children were each given one marshmallow. They could either eat the marshmallow immediately, 
or if they waited 15 minutes for the lab assistant to return, receive another marshmallow, thus doubling their prize. The kids who were able to wait, generally, went on to become successful and well-adjusted adults, while the kids who gobbled the first marshmallow had more trouble dealing with stress, frustration, and impulse control. We all probably imagine ourselves as the kid who would have waited for the second marshmallow. And maybe you would have. But even the most disciplined among us have areas in our lives where we're dropping the ball. Areas where we're just skating by and it's absolutely bugging us to death. Eating at us. Knowing how much potential we have and how we're not utilizing it. Everybody wants a secret or book or technique on how to be more disciplined. But there isn't one. It is simply a matter of training your mind to do what you need to do. Of saying a resounding no to the things that waste your life and your time. You decide what you really want out of life and go get it. That's it. Is it easy? Mm, maybe not. But it sure is worth it. So here are a few things to think over which may help you and your frame of mind. Dr. Michelle seemed to learn a lot about this topic, and she offers this perspective. We can't control the world, but we can control how we think about it. So in essence, stop thinking about your flaw as part of your identity. Part of why it's hard to make changes in our lives, and why we find ourselves unsuccessful in changing our habits, is that we rationalize our weaknesses as simply part of who we are. We get knee-deep in our guilt, but adopt those weaknesses as part of our identity, as part of our normal self. We're the jolly fat guy who makes self-deprecating jokes and amazes people with how many slices of pizza he can wolf down. We're the funny drunk who always gets totally blasted and cracks everyone up with our wacky antics. We're a night owl, damn it, and that's how we roll, burning the midnight oil. We're the player. Not because we can't keep a girlfriend, but just because we crush a lot. That's who we are. We do so much rationalizing that it can be downright painful to change. We feel like we're losing a part of ourselves. Maybe our habits aren't making us happy, but at least they give us the stability of an identity, the comfort of routine. What happens when the fat guy slims down and the drunk gets sober? Who are we then? When it's time to shape up your life, it's crucial to replace your old identity with a new one. It's the same concept that applies to changing your habits. Instead of being the jolly fat guy, become the super fit former fat guy who loves being active. Instead of being a player, become known as the guy women would love to date, a true gentleman. Stop being haunted by the ghost of your mom. Whenever part of you wants to become more disciplined, another part of you cries out, I don't have to follow anybody's rules. I can do it the way I want to. Nobody makes me do anything. I do what I want. Your mind often identifies this voice as your inner rebel, the part of you that feels an affinity for independence and doing you. This voice flatters your identity. You're not lazy. You're a rebel. But the voice is really your eight-year-old self, and he's crying out against mom's rules. Whenever a man first leaves home, 
he begins to test his boundaries away from his parents, prying eyes. He is enamored with his newfound freedom. Many men, like myself even, saw their grade point averages bottom out during freshman year of college for this very reason. This is actually a healthy process, provided you don't flunk out or get a girl pregnant or something. Part of growing up is exploring and breaking your old rules and finding out how you want to live your life. At first, you want to eat the whole jar of cookies because you can. No one can stop you. But there has to come a point where you say, You know, eating the whole jar of cookies makes me sick. It makes me feel like crap. It's the place where you stop doing stuff just because you can and start living the way you know is actually best for you and will make you happiest. Mom's not looking over your shoulder anymore. You are in control of your life, and you don't have to prove anything to anyone but yourself. Freedom is not the end-all, be-all. The voice in our head that likes to derail our efforts at discipline loves to wave the grand flag of freedom in our faces. You can choose to do whatever you'd like. That's the ultimate in freedom and choice. You can sleep in until noon and surf the internet until, uh, instead of cleaning up and stay out late instead of studying. Why would you want to rein yourself in with a schedule or goals? What the freedom voice neglects to tell you is this. While everyone has the freedom to choose, you can't choose the consequences of those choices. For every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. There's no use fighting against the laws of the universe. The only reward of unchecked freedom is freedom itself. So you spend the day doing what you want, surfing the internet, in your underwear, and what do you have to show for it, despite an extensive knowledge of how awful COVID-19 is? Without the feeling of personal progress and the satisfaction of real hard-earned achievements, freedom alone feels completely empty. Fix your core values first. Let's say one of your core values is family. And let's say you're trying to lose weight while the relationship with your wife is crap. What do you think about the odds are of your success? Pretty damn low. Think of your life like a stack of cups. Your core values are the cups on the bottom. Your foundation. What if one of the bottom cups is removed or missing? The rest of the cups will fall. If you want to be successful in tackling other areas of your life, you've got to build on a rock-solid bedrock of core values. It's just like building a house. You can't put in the jacuzzi before you've built the foundation. Train your discipline like you train your body. Your self-discipline is just like the muscles in your body. When you first start working out, you'll find that there's a maximum weight you can bench press, as an example. You can try piling more weight on the bar, but it will just crush you. That's your baseline strength. As you regularly work out and incrementally add more weight, your baseline strength will increase and you'll be able to lift more weight and do more reps. Your self-discipline works in in exactly the same way. Right now, you have a limited amount of self-discipline available to you. If you spend it on one thing, you have less to spend on other stuff. If you use your willpower in controlling your diet, you'll find it harder to rein in your spending. 
But as you keep flexing your willpower in an area, your self-control will expand and you'll have more strength to discipline the other areas of your life as well. So don't take on too much at once. Pick an area of your life where you want to exercise more discipline and work on it until your self-discipline grows and you gain the self-control to take on more and more challenges. Here is a historical perspective from the year 1905. Self-Control, Its Kingship and Majesty by William George Jordan When a man fails in life, he usually says, I am as God made me. When he succeeds, he proudly proclaims himself a self-made man. Man is placed into this world not as a finality, but as a possibility. Man's greatest enemy is himself. Man in his weakness is the creature of circumstances. Man in his strength is the creator of circumstances. Whether he be victim or victor depends largely on himself. Man is never truly great merely for what he is, but always for what he may become. Until man be truly filled with the knowledge of the majesty of his possibility, until there come to him the glow of realization of his privilege to live the life committed to him as an individual life for which he is individually responsible, he is merely groping through the years. With this broadening, stimulating view of life, he sees how he may attain his kingship through self-control and the self-control that is seen in the most spectacular instances in history and in the simplest phases of daily life is precisely the same kind and in quality differing only in degree. This control man can attain if he only will. It is but a matter of paying the price. The power of self-control is one of the great qualities that differentiates man from the lower animals. He is the only animal capable of a moral struggle or a moral conquest. Every step in the progress of the world has been a new control. It has been escaping from the tyranny of a fact, of the understanding and mastery of that fact. For ages, man looked in terror at the lightning flash. Today, he has begun to understand it as electricity, a force he has mastered and made his tool. The million phases of electrical invention are but manifestations of our control over a great force. But the greatest of all control is self-control. At each moment of man's life he is either a king or a subject as he surrenders to a wrong appetite, to any human weakness as he falls prostrate in hopeless subjection to any condition, to any environment, to any failure, he is a subject. As he day by day crushes out human weakness, masters opposing elements within him, and day by day recreates a new self from the sin and folly of his past, then he is a king. He is a king ruling with wisdom over himself. Alexander conquered the whole world except Alexander. Emperor of the earth, he was the servile victim of his own passions. We look with envy upon the possessions of others and wish they were our own. 
Sometimes we feel this in a vague, dreamy way, with no thought of real attainment, as when we wish we had Queen Victoria's crown or Emperor William's self-satisfaction. Sometimes, however, we grow bitter, storm at the wrong distribution of the good things of life, and then relapse into a hopeless, fatalistic acceptance of our condition. We envy the success of others when we should emulate the process by which that success came. We see the splendid physical development of Sandow, yet we forget that as a babe and child he was so weak there was little hope that his life might not be spared. We shut our eyes to the thousands of instances of the world's successes, mental, moral, physical, financial, and spiritual, wherein the great final success came from a beginning far weaker and poorer than his own. Any man may attain self-control, if he only will. He must not expect to gain it, save by long-continued payment of price and small progressive expenditures of energy. Nature is a thorough believer in the installment plan and her relations with the individual. No man is so poor that he cannot begin to pay for what he wants, and every small individual payment that he makes, nature stores and accumulates for him as a reserve fund in his hour of need. The patience man expends in bearing the little trials of his daily life, nature stores for him as a wondrous reserve in a crisis of life. With nature, the mental, the physical, or the moral energy he expends daily in right doing is all stored for him and transmuted into strength. Nature never accepts a cash payment in full for anything. This would be an injustice to the poor and to the weak. It is only the progressive installment plan nature recognizes. No man can make a habit in a moment or break it in a moment. It is a matter of development, of growth. But at any moment, man may begin to make or begin to break any habit. The view of the growth of character should be a mighty stimulus to the man who sincerely desires and determines to live nearer to the limit of his possibilities. Self-control may be developed in precisely the same manner as we tone up a weak muscle by little exercises day by day. Let us each day do, as mere exercises of discipline and moral gymnastics, a few acts that are disagreeable to us, the doing of which, which will help us in instant action in our hour of need. The exercises may be very simple. Dropping for a time of intensely interesting book, for a, for a time an intensely interesting book at the most thrilling page of the story, jumping out of bed at the first moment of waking, walking home when one is perfectly able to do so, but when the temptation is to take a car, talking to some disagreeable person and trying to make the conversation pleasant. These daily exercises and moral discipline will have a wondrous tonic effect on man's whole moral character. The individual can attain self-control in great things, only through self-control in little things. He must study himself to discover what is the weak point in his armor, what is the element within him that ever keeps him from his fullest success. 
This is the characteristic upon which he should begin his exercise in self-control. Is it selfish, selfishness, vanity, cowardice, morbidness, temper, laziness, worry, mind-wandering, lack of purpose? Whatever form human weakness assumes in the masquerade of life, he must discover. He must then live each day as if his whole existence were telescoped down to the single day before him, with no useless regret for the past, no useless worry for the future. He should live that day as if it were his only day, the only day left for him to assert all that is best in him, the only day left for him to conquer all that is worst in him, he should master the weak element within, within him at each slight manifestation from moment to moment. Each moment then must be a victory for it or for him. Will he be king or will he be subject? The answer rests with him. The answer rests with all of us. Thank you for joining us again today for another episode of Round 12. May you live as long as you want and never want as long as you live. May the worst days of your future be like the best days of your past. And may you continue to answer life's bell every time. Until we meet again, time!